0: You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 her? do you love her do you love her do you love her do you love her do you love it do you love her do you love her? do you love her one time for the lovers two times for the ladies three times for the brothers four times for the babies do you love it do you love her do you love her do you love it do you love it do you love her do you love it do you love her do you love her do you love her do you love her do you love it do you love her do you love it do you love it do you love brown skin love for brown skin love for brown Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She, my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She, my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Damn. Damn. Well. <clears throat> Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill. The- Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And today, I got a show for you. Uh, man, this is an exclusive. This is a one-of-one. One. We've never had um, somebody somebody like Lex on the show, man. Like, So I'm really excited to break it down, break down a lot of stereotypes, um, a lot of uh, misnomers, um, and also, too, to show, show love and appreciation for this brother and his journey um, and where he's been and most importantly, honestly, where he's going to go, man. So um, I, I I just read his bio. It was phenomenal. So without further ado, Minority Trouble as a Nation, I want you to make some noise for my brother and welcome Lex Gillette Gillette, right? <laughs> Gillette or Gillette? Gillette. (laughs) Gillette. Yes, sir. Like the razor. Lex Gillette to the Minority 12 Blazer podcast, man. Welcome to the show.
1: Man, I appreciate it, man. I'm I'm definitely glad to be here.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm I'm excited for you to be here, man. So before we begin, can you share with our audience a quote or a mantra that you live by and then share with us a story about how you apply that quote or your mantra to your everyday life?
1: Absolutely, the quote for me, I would say is "No need for sight when you have a vision, no need for sight when you have a vision. How I apply that to my life on a daily basis is ultimately at the end of the day, it's not the sight that determines our success, it's our ability to to see a vision, to have a vision, and then to create a plan, a strategy to bring to be able to bring that vision into fruition. And I live by that on a daily basis you always need a strategy to bring be able to bring your your, your visions your aspirations your dreams into, into reality
0: man and let's and that note man let's just jump right in man can you share with your uh, share with our audience man a little bit about yourself what drives you where you from all that man it's your show
1: yeah i grew up in raleigh north carolina as a Mm -hmm. kid in raleigh i was doing it all video games bicycles playing outside with friends one day i had come home from school and that night as i was i was in the bathroom as i was actually getting ready for bed Mm -hmm. i started noticing that i was that i was going blind for no reason at all no accident didn't fall or anything Went to the doctor and after an examination, they said I needed to have an emergency operation because I was suffering from retina detachments. Wow. And, and how old were you again? Eight years old. Okay, yeah, cool. Eight years old. So you hear it like with 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 retina detachments, boxers get it a lot because they're, you know, bap, 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 hitting each other in the head and stuff. Um, and so there's 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 blunt force. There's something that actually causes that. But to my knowledge, at that. At that age, I couldn't really think of anything outside of the normal eight-year-old activities that I, you know, something I could have pointed to and said, all right, this is why this happened. Mm -hmm. So that led to a string of 10 operations that I had that year. And after the last one, doctors said that there was nothing else they could do to help my site. And they said that uh, I would eventually become blind so you know none of them were you know wish the operations could have helped, but uh from there it was go home go through your normal routine mm-hmm. you wake up each day seeing a little less than what you do the day before until one day you wake up and you're not able to see anything
0: wow 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 so at this point you're eight years old you are living a normal life then 10 surgeries, and now you can't see anything. So where did you go from there?
1: From there, it was, of course, I went through a, I guess, a grieving period, if you will, and just had to get myself, had to go through that transition, figuring out how I was going to finish school, figure out how I was going to be able to navigate and walk around on my own, just figuring out how to Interact with people and 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 socialize and live a a, a you know just a typical life mm-hmm. and um, I had my mom there who was a really strong influence and, and she drove a lot of um, she engineered a lot of my success mm-hmm. and in in the beginning it literally just started off as she wanted me to be successful she wanted me to be dependent so that I could go out into the world live a you know a a meaningful life um so she taught me how to (laughs) how to do chores i had Mm -hmm. to clean my room wash dishes take out the trash all those things she was very much a a no excuses type person so just because you can't see anything doesn't mean that you you can't do chores it doesn't mean that you can't finish school it doesn't mean that you can't make friends and have a good time and uh you know, she found someone to teach me how to read Braille. She found someone to teach me how to utilize a cane so I could navigate around on my own. Just really encouraged me to get out there and, and do my thing. And that helped me to build my confidence. Ultimately, um, you know, ultimately, I just you know, just started looking at myself differently and my self-image changed, self-esteem rose. And the next thing you know, uh, I want to say a few years later, probably... I mean, now, like seven years after I had lost my sight, I was introduced to uh, to track and field in mm-hmm. high school. I had a teacher who saw that I was athletically gifted and talented. He had taught me about the the Paralympic Games and and what the Paralympics uh, is is a is a, is a is the, the highest pinnacle competition for athletes who have a, a physical disability mm-hmm. and. I had uh, been introduced to track and field, to long jump specifically, and to sprint events. And uh, you know, once I had gotten that introduction, man, the rest is the rest is history.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's huge, man. So let's take a they take a couple steps back. One, how were you doing chores at that age that you can't see? Like, how were you washing dishes and doing that? Like, walk us through that, especially as a kid yeah uh, you know what?
1: I think it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those things where um like, first of all, again, just, just to give more context, like my mom is is, you know, she's just a strong, you know black woman, like and 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 you know like in our culture, like your moms, they just expect you to they don't ex like they just expect you to do your absolute best and and expect you to uphold a certain type of uh like a lifestyle and be able to you know go out in the world and do your thing so circling back to being at home her expectations for me were very high even though i was blind so when you think about doing chores uh specifically washing the dishes i knew where the where the dish liquid was located so mm-hmm. I'll find that I would, I would turn the water on, of course, put the, put the stopper in, throw some mm-hmm. of that, that the dish washing liquid in there. And so in the actual, uh, washing the dishes, mm-hmm. you can feel when there are certain things on the plate, you can feel when there are certain things stuck on a, a pot or a pan. So mm-hmm. I'm having to use the, you know, the cloth or the, the pad, the Brillo pad, or whatnot, to to scrape these items off of the the powder pan or the plate, mm-hmm. and uh, and and my mom would go back and she would check also to make sure it was clean. So if I had messed up and there was still something on the plate, she would put it back in the sink. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, man, what's going on here? Uh, mm-hmm. But again, like just circling back to my initial point, like you you like you have to do things a certain way, you gotta do it right. If you don't do it right the first time, then we don't get it right the second time or the third time if need be. So after a while, when I got used to washing dishes, it was a matter of me like scrubbing them <laughs> profusely and making sure that it was er, 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 squeaky clean uh-huh. so that <laughs> I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to worry about you know, do, doing it all do, like cleaning the same thing a second time so uh-huh. uh, I mean you know you just gotta you, nah, that's- you just gotta do your thing and so similar like if I'm taking out the trash or anything like that I would learn where the dumpster was in relation to my house so I could walk out and know that okay when I get to the sidewalk then I will take you know, five, six strides, and then I can turn left, and then I'll walk all the way up the the sidewalk until I reach the grass. And then once I reach the grass, I know I need to turn to the right. Once I turn to the right, I take two steps. and mm-hmm. Maybe I have to step off the curb, line myself up, and and you know go towards the the dumpster, throw it over the top, bam, bam, hit that U turn, and then and then you know retrace my steps back to the uh, the house.
0: Man. So, and, and walk us through, how does the cane work? I've always known, and I, and the reason why I'm asking this, because, I mean, these are questions that people that are not blind aren't, probably probably have never been able to ask. So it's always, yeah. I'm always curious, yeah. like, I mean, you see the cane and y'all stop at stop signs, et cetera, and I'm like, how does that work?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where the cane serves as, as, you know, a, a, a you know, type of your, your sight, if you will. Um, so I'm sliding it from left to right, and I'm able to detect whether or not there's a curb in front of me, whether or not there's a pole, there's a set of stairs that are going up or down. And I would say that, so I had a, an orientation and mobility specialist, and so this is a person that specifically teaches you how to use the cane, teaches you about certain techniques, and they also teach you about um, helping you to navigate around some of your more familiar areas, like like going to school or your neighborhood or your, your you know, even stores and areas within the community. So I had this teacher who would literally create these these maps, these tactile maps, mm-hmm. so that you could feel where certain things were and streets and and crossings and then he would also write the the street names and the places in braille so i could know and i was actually i was creating these images in my head and just with anyone if you if you occupy space regularly like your home after a while you just begin to i mean you know where to go if i were to say hey greg i need you to like close your eyes and get from your kitchen to your bedroom, you will, you will probably be able to do that. So with me, I'm able to do that around my house. I'm able to, you know, around my neighborhood, I know that there are certain stores that I can get to. I can get to the post office, the movies, wherever. Um, and the same thing with school. I learned how to get from from English class to math, from math to history, history to the gym, gym to the cafeteria, cafeteria to, to the bus stop. Um, and after a while, you just it's you know it's easy boom boom boom, and uh and you're just able to to navigate and move smoothly around
0: man that's that's huge, man, that's cool, so now take us there. you're fifteen years old, you get introduced to track and field get get you introduced to the Paralympics, man, so um, where do you go from there, man?
1: I went from so I was. I joined my high school track team my junior year, mm-hmm. and so I have my teacher, Mr. Whitmer, there alongside me, and he would, he would help me in the sport. So specifically how it works is when I'm competing in long jump,
2: mm-hmm. he
1: stands at the takeoff board and he's clapping and yelling, straight, 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 straight.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that gives me that audible reference. So I know which direction to run, and from there, as me counting my strides and on the appropriate stride, then i would i'll jump mm-hmm. and uh of course in the beginning it's it's challenging you're having to put your trust into someone's hands and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know it's just a it's, it's it's a challenge, but um after a while, I think when we get into these. These challenging moments and these different circumstances, you just have to ask yourself if you don't give your if you don't give your your your, yourself a shot, Mm -hmm. a chance, and what sort of success are you totally removing from your life? Like, what are you just eliminating from your path by not giving something a try? And Mm -hmm. so that's what literally got me back out there and 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 kept me going. And yeah, it was tough because you're you're running and you're Like thrusting yourself, propelling yourself in the air. But uh, as with all things, you do it, start doing it more and more, you get comfortable with it. And uh, I had gotten a lot more comfortable. I joined my high school track team. So I was amongst like minded students and, and athletic kids. And we all just started to, you know, bond and mesh. And that was really huge for me to be a part of a team. I felt like, yeah, I felt like they, they wanted me to be there and they mm-hmm. they were inspired, I'm pretty sure, to a to a certain degree and I learned from them as well. Uh, but over that year I wasn't the best course when I first when I first started, but by the end of my junior year I was I was jumping sixteen, seventeen feet. Wow. And uh going into senior year, that's when things really, really got got going. And I was jumping at that time, like 18, 19 feet consistently. I was one of the better jumpers on the school Mm -hmm. track team. And, uh, and it was kind of dope too, because like people just like, man, this is crazy. Like this guy is able to, he's (laughs) able to jump and he's blunt. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, man. So how, how, if you, if you kind of, so now walk us through, Where'd you go to school after that? You go to high school? Did you run track in college? Like, walk us through that.
1: Yeah, I graduated from Athens Drive High School in Raleigh, and then I went to Mm -hmm. East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I did not—I didn't compete for uh, for my college the entire time. I went out my the first semester, and uh, and eventually I just decided to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, I sought out someone in the exercise and sports science department Mm -hmm. and we developed some workouts that I was able to, to complete.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, and so I was, you know, I was always spent a lot of time in the student rec center, spent a lot of time running on the track, uh, lifting weights. And, um, I did it that, you know, that that was my structure, basically, for the time that I was in college. And uh, I was still able to make teams during that time, which was good. But it was a it was definitely a different environment because I didn't have Mr. Whitmer there on a daily basis Mm. to to really help me the way that I was used to in high school. But I was able to get by with what I was doing in college. Um, And then once I graduated from college, then I moved to the uh, the Olympic Training Center in San Diego, California. And now is where I was really able to make that transition and that transformation into full-time athlete.
0: Mm. So to walk us through socially, right? So we're gonna we're gonna get to where you are today and I mean speaking across the country, man, some of the brand partnerships you've been you've been able to do, et cetera. But how how have you how would you say you've allowed your get stronger with dealing with the fact that I may not be able to see things? And once you get control of that, it's fine. But then you have to work with others. I mean, I mean, there's dating. There is simple day to day tasks. There is um, you really maybe not can pick up on dirt certain cues visually because you can't see. So how yeah. how have you how did you how did you kind of navigate that? Did you have help and how has that process been throughout your journey?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, that's a really good question. I think that one of the so w- when I had first lost my sight, immediately I had to transition to just trying to figure out how I was going to, to your point, complete a lot of the day-to-day tasks and get through school, figure out how I'm going to get around. Um, But when you talk about the social maturity, that happened more so when I had gotten into college, I would say, because I was on my own, having to, to... to get around this, this, this large university. Um, I didn't have my mom or anyone there to speak on my behalf and do things for me. So I was, you know, uh, I was transforming into, into a young man. So, uh, just having to do things on my own and take, take initiative and, and take responsibility. Uh, so I'm, I'm there in Greenville, East Carolina university. It's a pretty, it's a pretty large campus spread out, Mm-hmm. across the city and <laughs> I'm having to make friends. I'm having to you know figure out how to get from from class to class and having yeah. to ask for assistance sometimes. And one of the other things I think that helped me out also too was I had a number of people from my high school who went to ECU also. Mm-hmm. So I was able to to pick their brain and able to kick it with them sometimes. Um and, and they would help me out. So Mm -hmm. Excuse me. That uh, that was really huge. But um, but also there were times where I had classes where I didn't have any friends in there. So I, you know, it's it's a little awkward feeling when you, as a as a blind or visually impaired person, goes into a classroom and um, and and you may have to find that seat or Mm -hmm. you may have to (laughs) to navigate around people. And and sometimes you know, again, people don't know so. Sometimes, like they're trying to figure it out, I'm trying to figure it out. So you <laughs> got two people; they can't get on the same page. So what really helped me out a lot, also, I think, is is the fact that I would, I would, make sure that I would get into class as early as possible, so I wouldn't have to worry about having to step around people to try to go down the the aisle to get to a seat. Um, mm-hmm. and that just made me feel. a a lot more comfortable and then once I was able to make friends Mm -hmm. and they knew how I operated then you know I had a little more leeway in terms of uh, a a month into having that class people know you and so if I do show up a little later than what I would normally then you know they kind of like oh Alex you can come over here we got a seat Mm -hmm. right here for you um so that helped out a lot and then uh, um as you can imagine, going to cafeterias and, and other places where there's a lot of people, you have to navigate those places. Um, and using the cane, I think, gave people the that indicator to let them know that, okay, we might need to step to the side. Or mm-hmm. some people have that confidence to say, hey, bro, you need some help. Um, if I hear some people talking and I feel like I'm I'm out of place, then I had grown to the point where I could say, hey, excuse me, you mind helping me get uh, such and such or you, you, you mind helping me find where the back of the line is so I can, so I can uh, order some food, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> and um, like literally, I had to learn all of those things in college. But I will say when I was going through the orientation and mobility mm-hmm. process that marked my teacher had helped me to, to do a lot of those things there. So if I go to the mall, and need to pick up some clothes or if I need to go into a, a Starbucks and grab a coffee or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He had engineered that um, helping me see that there are certain tactics that you can use to be able to you know get the things that you need to get and achieve the things that you want to achieve.
0: Man, that's huge, man. That's huge. And now let's 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 fast forward to okay. You're out of college now, man. You're at the Olympic Training Center. When did you slowly start to transition to get into the speaking industry, man? Sharing your story and how 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 has that journey been thus far?
1: Yeah, I and when did it all start? So I had a uh, once I graduated from college. I was trying to figure out what that next move was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I knew I still wanted to compete, but I wanted to get as much out of the sport as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I knew that one of the, one of the things that I kind of got thrown into a lot was, was speaking. People naturally want to know. Like what's your fastest hundred time or mm-hmm. how much do you eat in a day? And what types of food do you eat? And and uh-huh. and, and, just the, the elephant in the room, like, how do you do it? How do you compete and you're blind? And uh initially it was it was a challenge for me because I was still kind of dealing with I think I was still dealing with insecurities from just, you know, people are looking at me when I'm talking and are they are they looking at me differently, thinking of me differently? Are they, you know? Are they wondering, like, oh my gosh, his eyes look weird, or uh, just, just, just everything that swarms your mind? Um, and after a while, it just got to the point where I was thinking to myself, listen, at the end of the day, when you have this opportunity to speak and tell your story, it's not about you; it's about mm. the talking too. And so, if you can. If you relay something to them that will positively impact their lives, then then your job is done. Your job is complete. And uh, and then after a while, I just got to the point where I was like, man, like who cares anyway? You know, at the end of the day, in terms of you know, if, if they look at me funny, then <clears throat> excuse me, then 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 so be it. You know, if they think of me as being different, then you know, so be it. Uh, um, and. And so I was able to to do a lot more speaking. And then what really helped me was once I started to uh become a sponsored athlete. So working yeah. with the Knights and Yeah, the talk nonprofits. us through that. How does that how did
0: how did that work? Did they reach out to you? <laughs> and what is a sponsored athlete? What does it look like?
1: Oh so listen, what that that journey for me was long, <laughs> a long journey because you you try to break into this zone where there are a lot of athletes who are already having these types of relationships with, with companies. And so I used to see that and be like, man, I want that too. And I knew that when you talk about speaking, I knew that that would help me as well because being able to articulate yourself and to speak to others and explain what you do, how you do it, and then also being able to use what you do to you know, share a message and and lessons to others, I knew that that would help me out in terms of being able to partner with companies. And uh, and I want to
3: say when I, it took me, I want to say it took me nine years, eight nine
1: years to get my first sponsorship. Wow and uh and it was just a long just a long journey but um basically how it looks is you know you you first and foremost you you got to be good in your sport right you got to compete at a high level and um and then for me i had i had worked on my my speaking skills so i was able to to speak and articulate myself and then it was just a matter of building relationships and building Mm -hmm. Relationships with with other people, with agents, with with companies, and of course, once you start to get with the agents, they have the connections that you're looking for in terms of being able to work with these companies. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I had gotten with my agent, and there were a number of opportunities that had crossed my path in terms of being able to to speak and share my story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and there was this one event that I did. And I knew the magnitude of it because the the audience that they it was made of the people who i who I needed to be in front of in terms of uh in terms of brands, and so I made sure that I knocked that one out the park um and next thing you know, that phone started ringing mm-hmm. and which I one was that
0: working with um the event. Yeah, which event did you knock out the part that really changed everything? Oh,
1: uh, it was just like a, it was just this, this marketing summit that I had gotten invited to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so of course, given the name marketing, you got marketers in there, you have people who are are you know, running these accounts, and uh, so I went ahead and 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 knocked that one out. And the next thing you know, I you know I signed with Nike. I signed with. BP signed with Procter and Gamble and Dick Sporting Goods and uh, uh, 24 Hour Fitness and
0: yeah, man. Tell me about those experiences if you could. Like, what's been the most enjoyable parts of working with these with with these companies, man? And how do you believe that you've been able to add value? It,
2: it
1: is it's, it's really nice. It is really amazing to first and foremost have that support and to have these large companies who they believe in you and they see something within you and they understand that you can add value to what they're doing mm-hmm. and so you know literally when you're in these rooms and you're you're talking with them and and vibing with them it's is awesome because at the end of the day even though I'm in I'm in sport and I'm wanting to do well from an athletic standpoint, we're all just wanting to excel and ascend to new heights as human beings and just in the arenas of life that mean the most to us. And um and so when you think about doing the you know, doing the speaking engagements, having the relationships with the companies, that also helped a lot as well because some of the some of the obligations are speaking at. Employee events or speaking at company conferences, and that really gave me a platform to work on my craft and it gave me the opportunity to to inspire the audience and again to give them a look into what I'm doing and how I do it and And on my end it's like, well, let me figure out some ways to provide some some applicable tools that people can can use in their own lives. And the success that I've been able to achieve, I'm hoping that they'll be able to apply those things and achieve the success that they want to, that they want to achieve in their, both in their personal and professional lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you you know, you connect with these companies and they're huge machines. So they have just crazy amounts of relationships and the next thing you know you're in you know you're in different rooms and you're talking yep. to you know different types of people so it's 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 just a it's a process and you just got to look at every opportunity as as one that can lead to another
0: one
2: mhm
0: yeah, man. That, hey, that is what it is, man. So, and and tell me, cause I know we talked offline about it, man. But tell us about them Jays, man. How you were able to get? Did you so, did you get it through through Nike or was it through actually through Jordan?
1: Um, through Nike, and so of course, you know, I mean, Jordan brand is under that Nike umbrella, but um, yeah. So I just uh, you know over the years it just been collecting them. <laughs> And um I'm a big Jordan fan, of course, being from North Carolina and when the last dance jockey series was coming on, I had to check that out. And of course there wasn't anything on in terms of sports. So that was that was, that was a treat for for the entire world um to be able to to get that inside that inside view into that Chicago Bulls team and especially Michael Jordan. Um and so when that docu series was coming on or w- when it was on i said well let me go ahead and 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 show everyone how i determine how my my j's look and, and how i identify which ones are what a lot of people ask right, how do you dress yourself and how do you know what shoes are what and what colors they are so um i would post these videos each week and tell how i knew the the jordan 1s were jordan 1s or the jordan 4s are 4s and sixes, sevens, eights, whatever, so on and so forth. And uh I again this is you know, this is me doing normal day to day type stuff. And I have everything organized. Organization is a is a blind person's best friend, hmm. knowing where things are are located so that you can go back to that same spot and find it. Soon as you have people coming into your room and start moving stuff around, yo, that's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> especially if you're in a hurry. You trying to you know what I'm saying? You trying to find your wallet or you trying to find your your cane or something like that and it's not where you where you left it last. Um that that's that's, you know, you don't really you don't really want that. But um with the Jays especially, I didn't really expect for it to kind of uh you know pop the way it did but i had i had did that first one and um i think it has like 160 some odd thousand views on it and uh you know complex sneakers is tagging me and stuff and kicks on fire and like all of these sneaker outlets were mm-hmm. were uh you know hitting me up and then jordan ended up sending me some some more J's. wow so that was cool and um, yeah, man, it, it was just a It was a wild experience But it all stemmed from, again Just kind of sharing with the world How I'm able to do what I do On a, on a daily basis
0: Man, that's, that's huge, man So let's take it here What are some common misconceptions uh, That people have about um, People that are that, that have disabilities, specifically that are blind that, that if you could Speak to people and educate them on <sighs> Oh, man, I think people just feel like we live this astronomically
1: different type of lifestyle. And and don't get me wrong, like like we're all, I mean, disability or not or you know whatever, it, we're all different in some capacity. And and uh, you know, for for me especially as someone who's blind, you know, people think of it as you think of blind, you think of guide dogs. Sunglasses, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and canes, um, and a lot of people. A lot of people seen the movie Race, so they're like, oh, "Okay, well, do you, you know, do you touch uh, like uh, people's wrists to determine what they you know, what they look like?" And like, nah, that, mm, no, um, I think it's just a matter of educating people on um, my life is 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 pretty much normal, um, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and again, it all stemmed from having someone like my mom who helped me to see that I still could go out here and, and hold down, hold down the fort in terms of being able to, you know, keep, get a, get a place and keep it clean and to cook and, Mm -hmm. um, being able to similar to the Jays, being able to dress myself and know how to put outfits together uh, just because I'm blind doesn't mean that I don't care about my image or how I look. I want to look I want to look good also. And again, <laughs> coming, up, coming up in in, you know, again, in uh, in, in our in can even get my thought out? But, uh, you know, with my mom and my family, especially. Um, when you walk out of the house, you're a representation of your family. Yeah. So there's been plenty of times where I've been around people before, and you know they'll see, they'll see, like kids or whatnot, and they're like, "Oh man, I would have never let my kid walk out the house looking like that." Like my mom was certainly that person where you know, I had to get that she had to look me up and down before I walked out of the out of the door. And so uh-huh. uh, going through those types of things, it's like, all right, let me figure out how to how to dress myself. Let me figure out how to make sure that I look you know presentable. So that when I when I walk out into to the world, um, you know I look good and and you know I'm a great representation of of where I came from. Um, so nah, making different. sure that. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, uh, <laughs>
0: that's real, man. And, um, and speaking of your mom, man, can you just share with us your relationship with your mom and how much she's she's got it? Because I think we talked offline about it, but I think it's very interesting how how much support your mom is giving, and she has her own challenges.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that uh, it's, it's something I rarely ever talk about a lot because I just didn't focus on it. But um, with everything that's going on in the world right now, the current climate the magnitude of what she was able to do during the time that she did it has been phenomenal. So my mom, she is she's she's black, so we can all talk about the the challenges that mm-hmm. people of color have, have faced within within our country and especially being from North Carolina. Um she she's a woman and being a woman we all know about women's rights and, and the challenges that, that they face and, and challenges that they still face. And then my mom is also, she's visually impaired as well. She mm-hmm. has glaucoma. She was diagnosed with it at an early age in life. However, she still has usable sight. So she can you know she can see and, 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 and see to read and, and uh, see colors and all those things. But she will be classified as legally blind she can't drive and uh, wow and so she checks three boxes in this in this in this realm of like uh, just the magnitude of it is crazy that's it just, all I'm going to say it, and so it uh, like, it's so
0: crazy man
1: um, and, there's no and, excuses and literally, yeah none at all none at all I mean she she always found a way to make it happen when, when I was growing up, I can't remember a Christmas where I didn't get what I wanted. I always had the, the resources that I needed from an academic standpoint. She always made sure that, you know, I was able to get the, you know, the shoes that I wanted and the clothes that I wanted. She, uh, she just, she made it happen at the end of the day. And so, um, again, when you think about that, that trifecta, if you will, um, her being able to do that in North Carolina, um, you know, in the in the nineties, two thousands, you know, that that's that's pretty phenomenal.
0: Nah, man, that's 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 beyond phenomenal, man. And yo, I, I, I asked another question, man. You you have a you have a girlfriend, right, man? How long have you been to, been <laughs> been with her, man?
1: But it's been uh, it would be three years in December. Wow, um, man.
0: How did y'all meet? And the reason I know for you, you probably get this question all the time, things of that nature, but I really just uh want to point this out to the audience. Like you said, to normalize, like, yo, you live a normal life. Like, hey, yeah. you get you want to get treated the same. Um, of course, if people will help, you'll take the help, but you're giving it you giving to the world just as much as you receive to the world, man. I, I always commend you for that.
1: Yeah, nah, for sure. Um yeah, Danielle and I have been dating and she she comes from the the uh track and field world as well. She she's a a middle distance runner, 800 meter runner and um went to to North Carolina. She actually is a Tar hill. Um oh, yeah, and we have we actually have, we have a friend. Yeah, yeah, we have a mutual friend. Um but uh yeah, I mean I I think that uh you know, even when you talk about when you talk about dating. So you asked me earlier about, you know, the, the the social aspect of it and and the challenges with that. So you imagine, you know, going on those those like first dates, like your first date ever. Um, and you're and you're blind. <laughs> like there's a certain <laughs> type of. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so it, it's just you know it's 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 definitely like, all right, man, well, like what do I say, or uh like is she having a good time and mm-hmm. and when I think about um when I think about when I was able to see, I remember how you could you could totally look at people and make eye contact and say certain things to them with not even without even saying a word, mm-hmm. you know and and I remember how challenging that was for me. And so uh, it, it was almost like I was embarrassed and ashamed because it's like, oh man, I can't even, like I can't look at this person or, um, you know, I can't like, compliment them or, oh man, that, that green looks good on you. Um, and so growing up, that was always a, a, a thing. But mm-hmm. you know, as you continue to mature and you figure out other ways to, to um, to compliment people and to engage with them. And, and, uh, and so Danielle and I, she's really cool. She, we're very much, um, we have a lot of things in common in, in terms of, you know, she loves to have fun. Um, she is, you know, obviously a beautiful person inside and out. And, uh, and yeah, man, she just, that's, nice. that, that is, you know,
0: that's amazing, That's
1: why man. I, I write it right there.
0: <laughs> and I asked you this offline. I want to ask you this online as well, man. Um, knowing what you know now, man, would you ever, would you, would you, do you, would you, if there was a uh, an opportunity to get your sight back, would you take it? Never.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Never. Uh, and the reason being is because I can't think of anything at this present time in life. I can't think of something that would make me happier
2: mm-hmm.
1: by being able to you know by being able to see it. I've been able to to achieve so much without being able to see. and so it's like, well, why would I want it back?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: i can't I just can't think of anything that that it would do to make my life even, you know, to make life better. Mm. Um, and so I, I think at this point, if I had gotten my sight back, I feel like it would, it might even ruin my life.
2: Mm. It
1: might even ruin my view on things, certain things that I, that I, that I see and, and have my understanding of what it looks like, you know, being able to physically see it might, might ruin my whole perspective. And so I, I certainly, I'm I'm good right now. I'm doing everything that I want to do, and and, and there's still a lot more to achieve. And, mm. and not having the eyesight, uh, you know, that hasn't been something that has impeded my progress.
0: Mm. If you had to give some encouragement to someone on this, or this listening or watching, and they suffer from a disability. Um, what are some few things that you would tell them just uh, judging from your experience your growth as a man as a person as a leader
3: I would say that um, I think that being vulnerable like you
1: have to learn to be vulnerable in today's times people look at that as as a a lack of, of strength like you're like you're showing some sort of, of weakness, if you will, but you have to be able to to expose yourself and share what's going on within you with, with those who genuinely care and love and love you. Um, and I say that because there were a lot of challenges for me when I had lost my sight, and there was no way for people to help me without them knowing what was going on inside my mind, and you know, internally. And so, I think that it's huge that we, that we express our, our emotions and our feelings to those, again, who we're closely connected to, because you don't want to put that out there for, uh, for people who don't, you know, they they don't really have uh, a connection with you, and, and you know, they probably could care less. Uh, but you have that, that core group who you vibe with and people who you know, they want to see you do well in life. And so being able to, to literally express yourself to them so that they can help guide you, that's really huge. And I would say that for it, whether you have a disability or not, you have to be able to, to get out here and, and be honest with others and be honest with with yourself.
0: Mm, Nah, that's real, man. And if you had the the opportunity, man, your eight-year-old version of yourself walked in um, and he was just like, yo, how do I deal with this? Like, how do I deal with this? Um, And this, you're talking to yourself, not how do I deal with this, rather. Let me rephrase that. If you had to give him some words of wisdom, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him?
1: Why would I tell my eight-year-old self? Uh,
3: I would say... Man, that's a hard question. Um, I would say that... Oh man, Greg, you you trying to stump
1: me today? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I gotta I gotta tell my eight year old self something good.
2: I don't know.
3: I would say that at the end of the day. Um. Trying to think here, man, what would I tell my eight-year-old self, man? Um: I think just what I started what I started with in the beginning of the conversation,
1: just a lack of sight doesn't equal a lack of vision at the end of the day everything that has been created and everything that will be created it always starts from a vision so whatever that you have in your mind it can totally become it can become reality if it is truly something that you believe in if it's truly something that you see you can bring it into fruition and i think that an extension to that is if it truly is a vision, then you understand that it is it's something that can transform a community, a culture. It can transform the world. And with that being said, you, you don't have to do it alone and you, and you can't do it alone. So you're always going to need other people to help you bring that vision into fruition. We all have strength. We all have weaknesses, but the beauty of life is for for every area where I'm weak, there's somebody who has that strength. There's someone who can who can help complement me. And when you bring one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plus people together with these varying views and and different skill sets and strengths and different perspectives, that vision it grows and it snowballs into something even bigger than what you may have saw initially. And uh, the next thing you know that thing gets to moving, you start breaking down barriers and and those limitations that you may have previously saw, they are no more. Um, So that has literally been the trajectory of my life. So eight year old Lex, <laughs> a lack of sight does not equal a lack of vision.
0: Mm, man. Love that, man. And how does it feel to have your own day na- Day named after you, man. I see. September. I pretty- yeah, <laughs> man. Like, how was that? How was that? Was there was there a cer- ceremony associated associated with that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had went to, I was in uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, and I was up there for, for an event. And, um, I was, I was surprised they had taken me to this. I forget where, where we were specifically, um, the name of the, the, the hall. But, uh, next thing you know, the, you know, the mayor's there and, and all of the, these city, city officials and, um, they prog- proclaim it Lex Gillette day. And I'm just like, wow, this is,
0: <laughs> yeah. Where did that come it? from? Cause you're not even from there. I'm not. I'm not. Just, I, I think a lot of the, uh,
1: a lot of the, the work that I've done around the country with, uh, mentoring students and, um, just being a, a, a voice for, for others. Um, I think that's where it stemmed from and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that had, that had blown me away because you would think that, I mean, I'm from Raleigh. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I would expect to get that type of honor in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, but hopefully that'll come one day, too.
0: Yeah, man. You ever think you're going to come back down? Um, that's a good question. Uh, that's a, certainly a
1: good question. I'm not sure. If, if anything, maybe I'll do a, a bi-coastal type thing. I'll be in North Carolina for X amount of time and then go back to California for X amount of time. And who knows? Mm-hmm.
0: Do you want to have kids one day? yeah yeah for sure mm.
1: for sure. definitely want to have kids and and uh you know raise them up to to be better than better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that transpires. I know that'll be another learning process <laughs> for me, but I have a number of I have a number of friends who are who are blind or visually impaired who they have kids, so I'll be ringing their phone to get some some advice but uh yeah definitely definitely want to have some kids in the future
0: man I and i didn't know i had to read your wikipedia page i didn't know you was a, a musician as well you played a piano bro what do you not do what do you not do I man, I, man I, I can't see that's the
1: only thing i can't do this is not yeah see. um no i uh yeah so i have a, a couple of keyboards in the room so one of my goals Right now, because I've recorded songs in the past, and we had actually um, we had recorded this song uh, a few years back to to raise some money for a cause. And um, but my goal over the next year is to record an album, so I'm 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 poised to do that. Actually, been connecting with some people here in the city to be able to schedule some time um, to get that off of the ground, but my goal for that too is is of course i do all of the the speaking and i had this idea of creating like a like a like a speech slash i wouldn't even call it a a concert but but musical-esque type of situation where i'm still telling the stories and still still inspiring and giving those lessons but weaving some songs that align with those things that i'm talking about within the presentation so it'll be It'll be like a hybrid type of situation. So um, uh, we're going to see how that all plays out. But that's that's one of my, that's a part of my vision. So I got to make it happen.
0: Mm, man, that's huge, man. And at this point, man, but actually not nah, before I go there. Tell me how, how, how was the experience actually getting, silver medal and actually like getting medals at the Paralympic Games, man, like walking through that experience, man, traveling, being in Beijing, London, Athens, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. Golly, I can't even say it right, man. It, like, <sighs> like, h- h- like how is that? How has that process been, man? It's just competing at the highest level um, amongst your peers, man, and being able to win some. Um, and h- how has that whole experience been?
1: It's been life altering. I think that from the first flight that I took, which was a a flight that I that I took to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to go to the sports camp to to the last major international competition that we had, which was our World Championships in 2019 in Dubai, United Arab Arab Emirates. It was a uh, you know it's been it's been something I would have never imagine i couldn't i i couldn't have drawn any of this up um so to be able to travel the world to experience different cultures to meet new people to try foods from around the world to you know go to touristy areas and just to learn how other people live around the world a lot of the places that we've gone to you, you you see where they come from and how they live, and you and you understand that here in in the United States, we take a lot of things for granted. Like we're really blessed. Um, versus, you know, we've we've spoken to athletes before who have been uh you know from from Kenya or other areas of, of Africa. And so for us when we go to the competitions and win the medals, we're thinking about how are like okay there's money we about to get like okay oh you getting the you getting the you getting the Samsung, the T V, oh okay, oh you getting the, the MacBook Pro um versus the, the athlete from another corner of the world who has to use that money to to keep the lights on, to pay for different resources to keep their keep their family living. Um and so it's just really it's really mind is just, it, man, you just look at things differently. It changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. And um so to build those relationships and, and friendships with those athletes who, you know, you meet them once and then next thing you know, you have another competition a few months later or the next year and then you see them again, you start to know each other's names. And there's been a number of competitors who, I have a couple of friends from Spain who we, uh, we see each other a lot no pun intended <laughs> and um <laughs> we uh you know we, we see each other at the competitions and uh we'll we'll talk and it's it's just man you know to be able to go to to beijing and to go to the great wall to go to brazil and to to go to the christ the redeemer statue um to, to go to Berlin and Australia and New Zealand, all of these places, man, it's is absolutely incredible. And, uh, and again, I I just, I would have never imagined any of this happening, but to be able to, to travel the world and to do it all while, um, you know, competing in a sport that you love and to also be able to, to be successful in that sport and to get on the podium and and to have heard the national anthem and have the flag raised in the air and um, all of that stuff, man. It's, it's special. It's special.
0: Man, that's, that's huge, man. So when it's all said and done, man, how do you want to be remembered?
3: I
1: want to be remembered as, uh, man, my, my ultimate goal is to leave something leave something beneficial on this earth that wasn't here before I got here and I know that's very that's very broad and very very wide but um I just want to you know many years down the line I want to be able to look back on on life and say that <clears throat> excuse me something that I, I did helped the next generation and the generation after that to Help them to realize potential and help them to to get to where they want to go in life. Um, I mean that's that's what it's all about. I want you know i want I want to open up doors you know, that people who come after me, they won't have to worry about turning that knob and walk and, and walking through. The door will already be open. and then I want them to see that is their responsibility to do the same because they'll, they'll eventually walk to a door that's closed and they're going to have to figure out how to open it. And I want them to open that so that the people who come behind them will be able to slide through there as well.
0: Man, I love that, man. So now we're going to go to the rapid fire route. We ask five rapid fire questions, get rapid fire uh, okay. answers. You ready to go? Um, I'm ready. What's the best piece of advice that you have never received?
1: Oh, my goodness. The best
0: piece of advice <laughs> that I've never
3: received, um, seeing is believing. Hmm. Hmm. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Add one habit and take away one habit? Yep. Um. I'm going to say... Uh, take away the take away procrastination
1: and add uh, the opposite of procrastination uh, doing things <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a
3: timely fashion love it man uh, what's your biggest fear my biggest fear mm. um man not realizing my potential. Hmm. Hmm. If you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing you would do? The first thing that I would do as a president of the United States, um, yo, I this is so just, this is so out there.
1: But I would somehow um, so I'm working on this speech right now. And I don't want to throw this on everybody, but but basically I don't want anybody to to see color. And so I'm not saying I would want every I don't I don't want to say I would intentionally like do something to take everybody's sight away, but I would employ some sort of strategy that would um you know help people to I would create some sort of some sort of potion or something that people would have to take. They would see it as as equals in terms of um, you know race, background, all of these things. like I, at this point in time in life, everything is going on. Um, we just, we need some changes, and especially from a from a, a racism standpoint. So um, I don't know. I would create some sort of medicine or something,
0: man, to <laughs> get people's mind right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll I tell you, bro. I'll tell you. And then um, last question. What's your favorite book or movie and why?
1: My favorite book is The Alchemist, and my yeah. favorite movie is John Q uh the alchemist man just just oh, just the journey of being able to you know find your find what you're looking for find your passion um but that that whole john q situation that is the epitome of just you know Denzel Washington being that father and uh you know doing everything in his power going to great lengths to be able to save his son's life and that's the, that's the father I want to I be for my future family. I mm.
0: love that, man. So everybody that comes on this show, we're done with the rapid fire. Um, everybody that comes on this show is a culture change agent. That I means they're doing something to shift the culture. And this last question of the whole podcast is simple as this. Um, if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why?
3: Um, I think that, uh, the one thing that I would change is that growing up, you
1: hear a lot, um, and I don't know if it happens, but I know it happens in hours. The, the, the term, you know, stay out of grown folks business. Uh, kids, kids stay in a place or whatever, and so um, I would change that because I feel like um, now we're starting to learn so much about mental health and learn about emotions and feelings and all these other things. And so, as a kid, I feel like we have certain questions um, that we want to ask, but for whatever reason, from the adult perspective, they're you know uh-uh, like. That's grown up business. You shouldn't ask that. Um, and I think that that kind of that stunts um, growth in certain ways because kids like like kids of everyone they're they're just they're learning. They're trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to figure the world out. They're trying to you know find their place within. <clears throat> excuse me, within this you know this 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 earth that we live on. And so when you put something on them in that capacity, like, oh, well, I can't ask this question. I can't inquire about this. Then, then now it's like you're, you're putting up a, you know, a stopper or a blocker that is, that is keeping them from, from truly you know, understanding and growing. And so as they get older, you know, they may experience certain things that, that could have been taken care of or been explained at an earlier age mm-hmm. um and i think you know with everything that's going on right now and we need to you know we we just need to we need to learn we need to be educated we need to educate others we need to ask questions um, and and yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's what i uh, man
0: uh, man that that means a lot bro and I, and i'm i'm excited um and encouraged by man your journey your story is definitely encouraging inspired me man um, question. I I didn't ask this in the podcast, but uh, I definitely want to make sure I ask it, man. What what's your goals for the future, man? Like, what what are you working on? Like, what's uh, what's what's next in the future, man? Yeah.
1: So I'm training currently for the the Paralympic Games. They were supposed to happen in 2020, but they got postponed until 2021. So the goal is to train, compete there, win gold. Um, and then moving forward, just, uh, and just continue to put good stuff out into the world. I wrote one book that came out in April. It's called fly, find your own wings and soar above life's challenges. So for anyone who's interested, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and, uh, but I want to write another one. I definitely want to write another book and continue to put, put, uh, you know, those experiences out in the world and and then of course going back to what i was mentioning earlier about um you know creating that hybrid of sorts with the with the speech and the the music and of course i'll continue to do the inspirational talks and continue to, to do the uh the presentations for companies and colleges and and organizations out there so um yeah just always trying to to keep myself busy and always trying to share with the world, everything that has been shared with me. So we'll see how it all, we'll see how it all uh pans out.
0: Man. I know so and you keep, you keep, your keep, keep God first to keep yourself, keep doing your thing, man. I I know, uh, you'll get everything and more, man. So like I said, I've been empowered. I've been inspired by this. Can you share with the audience where they can find more information about you, um, things you're working on, support in, in, in any capacity?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Lex Gillette, L-E-X-G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. And my website is LexGillette.com. Um, I'm pretty active on, on social media. So definitely hit me up. I, I love to hear from you.
0: All right, no doubt, man. We're going to make sure we show so much love for this, for yourself, this episode. So Minority Troubles trouble a nation. Make sure when this thing drop, make sure you blow them up, man. Say you definitely got something from the story. Tell the one thing you got from it, man. And uh, definitely go support the book. Uh, matter of fact, I got to grab me a copy, man. So uh, it's huge, man. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for giving well over an hour of your time, man, to come chop it up with me, brother. Oh, yeah. Nah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. No doubt man so my know the trouble is nation, you already know what I need you to do do two things number one leave a five star review um in the comment share with a friend, and then number two make sure you changing make sure you keep changing the freaking culture Good night boom, hey man.